sanctuary. And for those of you joining us on Zoom, hello, way back. I'm sure they're all waving back. Yes, anyway, lovely to see you all this morning. It's amazing to be in God's house this morning to give him the praise and the glory and the honor that's due his name. Um, just one notice as we start, just actually just a reminder to those of you on Zoom that it is communion this morning. So um, if you haven't got your elements ready, then please um, at some point go and get them and be ready for communion. The communion will come after the first um, set of songs. Anyway, I'm going to hand over to Mark at this point to, yeah, I'm so, I told you, I said you were coming up straight away. <laughs> Mark will be joining us shortly. <laughs> Hello. Isn't it a good day? It is. So, stand in front of the microphone. What? Stand in front of the microphone, please, so people can see you. I am in front of the microphone, but I don't want... Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, so last week I told you about Alpha. This week I'm going to give you a little bit more information about Alpha. So first of all, we're going to watch a couple of short videos, and then I'll say something else. All right? This old friend of mine, Helen. My best friend. My friend called and invited me to try Alpha. They handed me a invitation. It was just a random invitation. And I said, like, why not? Why not? Let's try it. Why not? Let's go. And I found like a like a really awesome community of people. They helped me find who I was just by listening. Alpha helped me in the knowing of God. Empecé a entender que el amor I just knew. I was a different person from that moment on. I knew I had purpose. I, I felt really comfortable and like starting to invite my friends. I've seen Alpha really impact people that I work with. I would definitely encourage people to get involved. It's one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. It all turned out to be life-changing. We ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are those bigger questions, like why am I here? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this?
think for so many years, you know, I always just strived to be strong in myself. All I needed was me and my buddies and, you know, we'd be like invincible. But the truth is, none of us are. So that was just a little taste of, of what Alpha is. The way uh, Alpha runs is we uh, start off with a, with a meal uh, and all the guests and the leaders uh, sit and eat a meal together. It's a time where we can get to know one another, where we can form relationships. Then we watch a video um, similar to, to that, a little bit longer, that has a, a, a meaning and a point. Um, and then we have a time of discussion where the guests can ask questions. Uh, this is not a time where the leaders are giving answers. It's just about going on a journey and then exploring uh, ideas and, and faith, really. Um, so the first video that we watched was all about people inviting their friends. So my question to you is the same question that, uh, that that video asked. And that was, who are you going to invite? Um, now, we've produced some invitations that give you all the details. These are available from reception or from me if you, if you want to ask me or Evelyn. We'll be able to provide you with, uh, with those invitations. But Alpha only works if friends invite people along. So I'd really encourage you to think and pray about who you want to invite and then invite them. You might be surprised, they might say yes. Um, so that's, that's the advert out the way. Now a bit more on the technical side of things. Obviously we're catering, um, Janine and Jude her, have done a rota and those involved will have been uh, contacted about cooking the meals for Alpha. But we also need cakes. So um, part of the evening while we're watching the, the videos and in the discussion time, we have coffee and cake. So if you would like to volunteer to make cakes for Alpha, please contact Janine. Um, there's, she did mention something about a Runnymede Borough Council disclaimer, which she's got, and you can sign that which is great. I don't really know what that is, to be honest with you. Um, but if you contact us, she'll give you all the details. But uh, yeah, get involved, pray, invite people. It's really exciting. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. So let's, uh, let's just pray as we start our service. Father God, we thank you for your amazing grace that's poured out to each one of us and so lord as we come now to offer our 
worship and our praise to you. Lord, just fill our hearts with joy, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you who are able, let's stand and sing. Um, you remember, you do need to keep your masks on for those in the congregation. For those at home, you can sing your hearts out.
Yeah. Uh-huh. 
sanctuary and you want to pray out loud then please can you just raise your hand and a microphone will be brought to you if you're on zoom then please just unmute yourself and mute yourself afterwards let's just praise our god psalm 107 some men went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters they saw the deeds of the lord his wondrous work on the deep where he commanded and raised a stormy wind, which lifted the waves of the sea, and their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he made the storm still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Let us give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love, and for his wonderful works to the sons of men. Amen. Psalm 18 says, this is a Psalm of David, whose words are in song, when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He writes, and I say this, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, 
is my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of all praise and I am saved from all my enemies. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, we thank you from the depths of our heart. We bring praises and hallelujahs to your name. And Lord, as we now gather around your table, Lord, help us to remember the love that was poured out at Calvary, the sacrifice that was made for each one of us, that by your death we are healed, by your death we have life and life eternal. And so we thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to hand over to Martin now to lead off leaders in communion. Oh, the young people, are the young people going? Oh, yeah. Young people who are going to their groups, the younger young people, are the other ones staying in? The older, the older ones are staying in for communion. The younger ones can go out to their groups now. Um, we invite everybody who loves and serves and follows Jesus Christ to take part in this meal. You do not need to be a member of this church or even a regular attender of this church. You just need to love and serve and have that personal relationship with Jesus. If for any reason you don't feel that you are in that relationship with Jesus, please think about um, these elements. Think about the bread which represents the body of Jesus that was pierced for our sins and the body of Jesus that was sacrificed um, in our place as our substitute to pay for the penalty of our sin, which is death. 
and reflect on the, the wine, which is a symbol of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus was poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So you are very welcome to remain with us if you don't feel able to take part in the bread and the wine, but please do reflect on and give thanks to God in the quietness of your own heart for this sacrifice that Jesus made for you. Remember the words of Paul uh, about the importance and significance of this meal. He writes this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Tony is going to lead us in a prayer of praise and thanksgiving for the bread and the wine. Let's pray. Father, you are an amazing God. Mm. And we thank you that you have a love for us that is beyond measure. It's so high, it's so deep, it's so wide. It's just impossible to get outside of it. And Lord, we are so unworthy for that love because we've sinned against you. And yet your love drew salvation's plan. And we thank you, Lord, that you gave your son, Jesus Christ. But before he went to the cross, he had a fellowship meal with his disciples, where he shared with them what was to happen. And Lord, we, we thank you that we now have this fellowship meal to share with one another, that we have the bread and the wine, the bread that represents your body, which was given for us, and the wine represents your blood that was shed. And because of that shed blood, we are washed whiter than snow that we are washed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. And you are the amazing Son of God. Amen. Thank you, Tony. Um, the one loaf reminds us that we are one body and we believe in one Lord. We have one faith, one baptism. And just as this bread is broken, it reminds us that though we are one, we are also many. As the bread is broken apart into many and given out to many of us, we are one body, yet that body is comprised of many different parts. So as we take the bread, let's feed with faith by thanksgiving. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and strengthen us and meet with us. you have my heart and I will search for you Jesus take my life and lead Lord you have my heart 
we remember that after the supper, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink this in remembrance. And we do that with thanksgiving, thanking Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and thanking Jesus that this blood represents a new covenant relationship with God that is sealed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we will drink together as a sign of our unity in the Lord. So we drink this with thanksgiving for the forgiveness of our sin. As we are gathered, Jesus is here. One with each other, Jesus is here. And because Jesus is here with us, we can bring our prayers, we can ask him to strengthen and meet with and bring healing and help and mercy to those in need. So let's do that now. As the Spirit leads you, please lead us in open prayers uh, for those who need a touch of Christ's grace and healing and mercy at this time. Do we still have the uh, microphone available? Oh, Paul's got it, thank you. So if you want to pray, please raise your hand and Paul will bring the microphone to you. Thank you. Please. Heavenly Father, I lift the family of Paul Taylor to you, who passed away last weekend. I particularly lift his sons, Nick and Harvey, to you, who lost their mother when they were very young children. Mm. I pray for Paul's parents, Pat, and John, and for his brother Nick and sister Sarah, 
Lord, I pray that you will pour out your love and your peace and comfort upon this family. Yes. I pray for Paul's best friend, Sue Dawn, who used to come to Heathervale. Please bless her too. Pray that people will draw alongside this family, Lord, at this time. And we pray for all the arrangements that need to be made. Just be their peace and their comfort in the days and weeks and months to come. We pray for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord, we give you thanks and praise for the healing that you have done for so many in, within our groups, particularly Val Nelson, who has making good recovery and good progress. For Joan and Brian at this difficult time for them. And for Joan, who come out of hospital and finds it strange to be at home on her own now. But we also bring you David and Roz this morning. Roz not feeling too good this morning. And we ask that you give her a healing hand at this time to encourage her and support her through her difficulties. We thank you for the work you've done within the McAllister family. And it's great to see them here this morning. And we continue to pray for their continued health as they continue with their paths. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father God, we thank you that you comfort those that mourn. Mm, mm. You walk with us in our grief. And we praise you that you're a healing God. So Father, we, we just lift up before you the prayers that Janine uh, mentioned and others known to us. And Father, we lift before you the, uh, the bereavement cafe that seeks to do just that, to bring people to a place where they can grieve openly, but we want to pray that they will find you in the midst of their grief. You are the meaning of life. And Father, we pray that you draw people to the cafe. That they will find a peace and a rest and find being loved. The love that you give to us day by day. So here our prayer we pray. Amen. As we do pray for Alpha. Uh, this Thursday. We thank you for the opportunity of uh, sowing the, the good news into people's lives. But Lord, we do pray that you would bring here on Thursday those that you want to be here. Lord, we pray for each one of us that, Lord, you would prompt us and help us to invite the people that you're calling us to invite. Um, Lord, just 
bring, bring along those that you want to hear the good news. And Lord, we just pray your blessing and your, an outpouring of your spirit uh, on all aspects of that course on Thursday. In Jesus' name, amen. Say the words of the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Steve. So this morning's reading. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were there with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray for Martin as he comes to speak. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we just ask now that as we, as we hear from you, Lord, we just ask that you would just anoint Martin. Lord, may he speak the words that we need to hear this morning. Lord, we thank you for your, your grace and your faithfulness to each one of us. Amen. Thank you, Steve, for leading us. So today, uh, we're looking at uh, the authority and power of, of Jesus. Um, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to Mark 6, verse 6 is a, is a unit in Mark's gospel um, of stories of where the power and authority of, of Jesus over nature and death are the focus. So in this passage today, we have both of those. We have Jesus speaking to the storm and commanding nature to be still but also saving his disciples from um, death by drowning. And then just after this in Mark chapter five, we have Jesus rescuing a demon possessed man um, from destruction by the demons. 
And in Mark 5, verse 20, uh, 24 to 34, Jesus raises a dead girl back to life. In all of these stories, Mark is saying to us that Jesus can rescue and deliver those in the most desperate and dangerous situations. There is no situation outside of the power and authority of Jesus for him to rescue us. Not even death is a barrier to the Son of God. Um, Romans 8 tells us that nothing in all creation, not even death, can separate us from the love of Christ. The question to us today is this, when the storms of life hit, which they can do very suddenly, as you know, one phone call, one test result can change everything, can't it, in the blink of an eye? When we get that sudden storm, will we still trust that Jesus is still with us and seek his help in prayer? Or, do, or will we spiral, as we so often do, into panic and fear, running around like headless chickens, trying to sort it out, and running ourselves up into a froth of anxiety? And the question is a simple one, really. Do we fear the storms more than we have a healthy fear of Jesus? Do we fear the storm more than we trust in Jesus' power to save us? That's what it comes down to, isn't it? If Jesus is who Mark says he is, the Lord of nature, the Lord of life, even over death, will we trust him in the storm? Or will we tailspin into anxiety and fear? So easy to do, isn't it? Three things you won't be surprised to know we can learn from this passage about storms and how to trust Jesus in the storms. Number one, storms don't mean Jesus is no longer with us or doesn't care. All right? Easy. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But we're slow to learn these lessons, aren't we? We're, we're so much like the disciples. When the storm suddenly hit and the disciples felt, well, they didn't feel, they knew that they were drowning. They were fishermen, right? Fishermen know when they're drowning. They're kind of used to being in the boat, aren't they? They doubted that Jesus still cared. Listen to them. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Can you hear that? Nothing wrong with them waking him up, right? Everything wrong with the way that they wake him up. Don't you care, right? Don't you care? We're more like the disciples than we sometimes care to admit, aren't we? Um, we never say this out loud, or at least most of us don't, but we easily think the same. When storms hit suddenly, we, we think in our minds, Jesus, don't you care? Have you forgotten me? Have you abandoned me? Don't you love me anymore? Don't you care? Um, storms come out of nowhere, don't they? Everything can be going along tickety-boo, and then suddenly, boom, everything can change. We've all had those stories, haven't we? One phone call, one test result, everything changes. I remember uh, it was one Christmas carol service and uh, I could, 
my brother couldn't get hold of me because I was leading a carol service. And at the end of the carol service, I, I noticed there were 15 missed calls on my mobile phone. And I thought, oh, this, this is going to be bad. And, and my brother had left a voicemail to say, it looks like the end for dad. You need to get here as soon as you can. And so I raced up the motorway to Oxford, where my dad was in hospital, and unfortunately didn't quite make it. He passed away just before I got there. One phone call changes everything. The storms suddenly hit, don't they? And they don't come at convenient times. And this is what happened to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. Um, storms came out of nowhere on the Sea of Galilee because it was a lake that was down in a hollow. It was surrounded by uh, Jordan Rift, steep hills on all the sides. And what would happen was cooler air would rush down over the hills and collide with warm air in the bottom of the lake basin and sudden squalls would be created. Added to that, the water was relatively shallow and so the waves would get whipped up by these sudden storms. And in a culture where swimming wasn't a recreational thing, this would have resulted in death by drowning. No doubt you've asked the question, why and how is Jesus sleeping, right? I seem to be able to go to sleep these days at the drop of a hat. I, I've, I've hit that stage in life where if I sit on the couch with a book, uh, five minutes and I'm gone. You know, I, I have my afternoon naps. It's kind of hit that stage of life. But I probably would not be sleeping in this boat, right? I'm a good, I can sleep anywhere, but probably not with waves crashing over me with my skin getting uh, seawater on it, right? But Jesus is fast asleep. Um, at a human level, of course, he is God, but he's also a human being. He's been ministering all day and he's exhausted. He's been teaching in parables. He's been healing the sick. You can read this in Mark three and four and he's exhausted. So he's, he crashes out exhausted. But there's obviously something deeper and more spiritual going on here as well. Jesus sleeping is a sign that he is utterly secure in the Father's love and care. Even in the worst kind of storms, Jesus knows that the Father has got him, right? That the Father is not going to let him drown because, I mean, Jesus was there at the beginning of creation, speaking creation into being. He's kind of got it, you know what I mean? It's in hand. And he's asleep. He needs to sleep. So he's sleeping. Um, King David found that he was able to sleep at night, even in the face of danger. His own son, Absalom, rallied an army and chased David down in order to kill him. I won't go into the details, but this is, so, this is David's prayer in Psalm 3. Look at this. Despite having um, a threat on his life, this is what David prays. I lie down and sleep. Wow. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. How can David sleep with this storm 
raging around him with a threat on his life. How? Because he is utterly secure in the love of God. He trusts in God more than he fears the storm, right? That's the key. Who do you fear most? Do you fear the storms? Or do you love and trust God more? Who has the authority and power over the storms? That's David's secret. That's the secret of Jesus. It is possible to be at rest, secure, in the presence of a storm. Um, Paul says it like this, Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we, put, if we set our minds on the pure and the beautiful and the glorious things of God's promises, do you know what? The peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. If we trust in God's wonderful promises in the midst of the storm, God will guard our hearts and our minds. It's replacing the fear with the truth of who God is and of God's promises, right? Replace the fear and the anxiety with who God is and his promises. Um, for example, I love this uh, scripture, Isaiah 43. This is one to replace your fear with when you're in a storm and you're feeling anxious. Why don't you try resting in this? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. Jesus never promises that we won't ever go through floods or rivers or fires, but he does promise to be there to deliver us in and through those things, right? The question is, what do we think about when the fear and the anxiety comes in? Do we spiral into a tailspin of, of out of control anxiety, or do we begin to focus and meditate on God's truth, that the Lord is with us and he will carry us through? It matters totally where you put your thoughts. This is not easy, I, I appreciate that. But there's a discipline and a habit and a ritual that we need to get into. When the anxious thoughts crowd in, we need to turn to scripture and rest in those promises. That's a discipline. It's like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the more natural it becomes. I'm not saying that you won't struggle. If you struggle with anxiety and it won't be difficult, it will be difficult. But the more you flex and exercise the muscle of trusting in God's promises, the more it will become second nature. Number two, faith is trusting that Jesus is more powerful than the storm we're in. After Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, commanding them to be quiet and still, the wind immediately died down and it was calm. Now, this is significant. In the Old Testament, the sea was a place that symbolized the place where sea monsters and evil and chaos dwelt. So in the book of Job, for example, and in the Psalms, you've got references to sea monsters like Leviathan, which symbolize evil and chaos and dark forces. 
And when Jesus speaks his command to the storm and tells it to be silent and still, he is really showing us that he has command and authority and power over all of the created order, but also over the forces of darkness and chaos. And this is the lesson the disciples needed to learn. Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith because they should have recognized him as the one who is more powerful than the storm. Verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were right to wake him. They were right to ask him to intervene. That's what prayer is, isn't it? But the, the lack of faith is in the fact that they accuse him of not caring. Don't you care? And Jesus is there. He's asleep, but he loves them. He cares for them just as much as he would if he was awake. They've just forgotten that he's the Lord, the son of God, who has already performed miracles. He's um, healed the sick, cast out demons. That's all gone out of their memory. And now they're saying, don't you care? Look at the change in disciples in verse 41. When Jesus calms the storm and the waves and the winds calm down, look at, the, look at what they say. They were terrified. No longer of the storm and the waves and the wind. They're terrified of Jesus. Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. You see, there is a healthy fear of the power and authority of Jesus. And the disciples have got it here, haven't they? They've understood it. Even the wind and waves obey him. Jesus has to perform this miracle for them to understand that he's Lord over nature, Lord over death, Lord of creation. But the disciples have had to learn that they were fearing the storm more than they were loving and trusting and fearing Jesus. And there's the rebuke. Don't we do this as disciples? Don't we fear the storms more than we love and trust Jesus? Um, I recommend a book to you. Uh, Paul Tripp has written a book on suffering. And he says this, only fear of someone more powerful than what you are facing and the assurance that this one of scary power has chosen to unleash his power for your benefit has the power to give you courage in the face of something or someone more powerful than you, right? Jesus is more powerful than the storm that you're in, than the struggles and sufferings that you go through. Jesus is more powerful than Satan and the demons at work in this world. Jesus is more powerful than coronavirus and any other trials and tribulations and evil that we go through. So who are we going to fear? Are we going to trust and have a reverent fear for Jesus, who is the creator and Lord and sustainer of the whole created order, or are we going to fear the storms? This is a constant temptation for us as Christians, isn't it? To fear the storms more than we trust Jesus. But trust in Jesus is the only secure way to live. God does not always remove suffering from our lives. But when we have a healthy fear of the authority and power and sovereignty of Jesus, it is not us against the storm, sort of beating our chest against the waves and the wind, it is knowing that Jesus is with us in the storm. 
I'm not sure about, you know, the old chorus with Jesus in the boat, you can smile at the storm. I'm not sure about that, really. I think I'd just be happy to be not drowned, right? I think, you know, mate, I don't know. I don't know about that. But I, I, I get the sentiment, but I'm not sure I'd want to smile at a storm. I think I'd go, this is a bad storm. Just get me through it. God understands what we do not understand. He controls what we cannot control. He has power where we have no power. He is the ever-present, ever-loving, eternally gracious, and he pours all of his grace, his love, his power, his protection, his grace down on us, his children. Do we believe that this morning? That's who God is. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't abandoned you. He's in the boat. Even when you feel like he's asleep and he's not noticing what you're going through, Jesus loves you and he's in the boat. Isn't that good? Thirdly and lastly, faith is trusting in Jesus even when the storms are not immediately stilled. We need to be careful in applying these passages because you could on the surface apply this and say, well, just trust in Jesus and he will calm your storm immediately. No, not always. <laughs> that would be a very surface level, trite application of this passage, wouldn't it? Because the passage is not focusing on how Jesus always calms storms. It's focusing on who he is, his power, his authority over death and over nature. And will we trust him is the question of the passage. Some storms, some suffering go on and on and on. Grief goes on a long time. Mental health can go on a very, very long time, right? Some storms are with us throughout life. We don't get free of everything until we meet with Christ in glory. People in this room are suffering with long-term struggles and health issues. It would be trite and irresponsible and offensive of me to stand up here and say, if you've got enough faith, Jesus will immediately still your storm. That's not, that's not how God works. But he does sometimes. <laughs> he does sometimes immediately still the storm. Um, I don't know if you've read George Muller's diaries. George Muller ran um, orphanages in Bristol. And uh, he literally relied on um, miraculous donations of money. I, you won't see that, but uh, I can see it. And this is what he writes. This is an entry on a Monday morning. I love this. I love the language. It makes me laugh. He says, I had no prospect, whatever, of getting even 100 pence, much less 100 pounds, because it was a Monday when generally the income is little. <laughs> love that. But in walking to the orphan house this morning and praying as I went, I particularly told the Lord in prayer that on this day, though Monday, he could send me much. Do you love that? The Lord, you can send me much. And thus it was, I received this morning 301 pounds for the Lord's service, as might most be needed. The joy which I had cannot be described. I walked up and down in my room for a long time, tears of joy and gratitude to the Lord, raining plentifully over my cheeks, praising and magnifying the Lord for his goodness and surrendering myself afresh with all my heart to him for his blessed service. I scarcely ever felt more the kindness of the Lord in helping me. 
Isn't that wonderful? The Lord does intervene miraculously and immediately on occasion in providing answers to prayer. He can do that in miracles of healing. He can do that in miracles of supplying uh, money and in all kinds of answers to prayer. But he doesn't always immediately still the storm, does he? And the truth is that storms can suddenly blow up in life. Chaos can happen and it can happen so quickly. The death of a loved one, the loss of a job, the betrayal of a friend, all of these things can come very suddenly. But the good news of the passage is that God delivers us in and through the storms. Even when we feel weak and helpless in the presence of the storm, Jesus is with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always there, even when we feel he's gone to sleep. He never, ever forsakes us or abandons us. In fact, even when we're at our weakness, then the power of God is really at work. Paul had one answer to prayer that was never taken away. We don't know what the thorn was. We don't know what his thorn in the flesh was, but it was never, ever taken away. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the power of Jesus in the storm. When I am weak, then I am strong. Jesus doesn't deliver us from all the storms, but he does deliver us in and through the storms. Do we believe that this morning? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for those facing long-term storms, suffering, grief, all kinds of trials in life. And I pray, Jesus, right now, that you would strengthen them in their weakness with your power. Deliver them from the temptation of despondency. Deliver them, Lord, from that disciple cry, Lord, don't you care? Lord, I pray that all of us would have a greater understanding and experience and knowledge of your love, a love which passes all understanding. Lord, fill us, pour out your love on us today. Let us know, Jesus, that you will never leave us or forsake us. Pour your love into our hearts. May your power, your strength be made perfect in our weakness. Lord, help us not to tailspin into anxiety and fear when the storms come, but help us to be people who rest in, trust in, meditate upon your promises and find that Jesus is our deliverer, our strength, our rock, our fortress, and our anchor. Amen. Sorry, I forgot to say, um, when I was in the Boys Brigade, we used to sing an old hymn. Um, and it was, uh, will your anchor hold? And this is a really good metaphor for uh, Jesus is our anchor. And he will hold us and keep us through the storms of life. And so Steve 
said he wanted to sing it this morning. So we're going to sing the old boys brigade classic. Will your will your anchor hold? Thank you. Having read the sermon, I couldn't finish with anything else, really, could I? <laughs> Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds Grab it firm and 
you that we have a firm foundation in you. And Lord, as we go out into this week, Lord, help us to rest in the knowledge that you are more mighty than anything that we can go through. And so, Lord, be with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Those on Zoom may unmute themselves. Um, and. Uh,